Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Mark. Hi, Liz. Hey, Bettys. Mm-hmm. Mark, I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to see how many new $5 Patreoners we have now. That's what we call them, Patreoners. I don't know if that's an accurate way to describe people. But we started offering, as soon as season two started, we wanted to offer you ad-free podcasts. So at the $5 level on our Patreon, which is My Grandma's Diaries, you can get not only an ad-free episode every week, but you can also get all the pictures and newspaper articles and whatever I find to go. So it's a real comprehensive visit to my grandma's diaries and you don't have to listen to all those ads or you don't have to reach over in your car and hit that 30 second forward button to try to skip over them because maybe you'll hit a bump and you'll hit it too many times and you've gone into the podcast and then then you have to rewind it so look we're just trying to be helpful here guys (laughs) but so many of you have taken us up on the offer and we love you and appreciate you so much it means the world to us so enjoy this ad free next week if you join our five dollar patreon right now otherwise here we go hey guess what On the day that we're recording this episode, because we're always like really behind the date that you're going to get it. Anyway, it's Groundhog Day. Yes, it is. Today. And Mark, my weatherman friend, did Mm -hmm. you see if he saw his shadow or not? Yeah, it's going to get warm early this year. That's that's what he says. Yeah. I got interested. I mean, I've always been interested in Groundhog Day, mainly because today is also my childhood best friend's birthday. Okay. Mary and I became friends when I was probably three years old. And I love that she has a Groundhog Day birthday. And I usually almost always say, you know, like, happy birthday. If you don't see your shadow today, you don't have to age. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> but I was curious about the history of Groundhog Day more than just the Bill Murray movie. Yeah. And many sources claim the original Groundhog Day took place in 1887 when residents of Puxatawney sent out to Gobbler's Knob, known as Phil's official home, and trusted a groundhog for the weather. All right. But makes apparently sense, right? um, there was another diary entry that historians have found that put it back to 1840. Hmm. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, so it's likely that it existed for forever. Diaries. But before Puxatani Phil was a celebrity, he was lunch. Uh-oh, they in, ate him? Yes, in a terrible twist. The earliest <laughs> Groundhog Days of the 19th century included devouring poor Phil oh. after he made his prediction. Oh. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there was one, something was written, they don't say where it was written, that locals cooked up the, <laughs> locals cooked up the groundhog as a special <laughs> local dish served at the Puxatawney Elks Lodge, whose members would go to create the town's groundhog club. Diners were pleased at how tender the poor groundhog's meat was. Oh, my. <laughs> 
So it wasn't until really the 1960s that um, mm-hmm. they stopped eating him. And mm-hmm. Phil got his own little club and his own little name. And when it comes to his predictions, though, sadly, the groundhog is not a good predictor of weather, yeah. which is so weird. You'd think they would know everything. <laughs> a groundhog. And he's right about 39% of the time. <laughs> and, you know, as being a former weatherman, yeah. what do you think your odds were for being right? <laughs> well, mine were a little better than that. A little bit. Oh, just yeah. a little bit. I think most people would think weathermen were wrong most of the time. They do think they that. They do, which Whatever. is so sad because yeah, you're working hard. You only can do what you can do. You know, the winds blow a different way and it, right. it doesn't rain. And people get mad. You they know? get so angry about yeah. it. Like you can control it. When I, I know. used to photograph weddings, yeah. if I... The, the tense waiting of whether the weather was going to be perfect or mm-hmm. not was always so stressful. My least mm-hmm. favorite part was, was when someone's like, I prayed for it, so it didn't rain. And I'm right. like, well, could you pray for like my mother's health and so we're, like, let it rain a little bit? <laughs> I mean, let's, if we're going to be doling out miracles, let's, yeah, uh, right. who cares about a little wet? But nonetheless, <laughs> okay, welcome to My Grandma's Diaries. Bonjour, this is Chantal from France and you're listening to My Grandma's Diaries. Let's, uh, last week's episode was a big one. Yeah. Elizabeth turned 20. Oh, she and Jack weren't doing well at the beginning of the episode because at one point she hung up on him mm-hmm. and a phone call. She had her picture taken at the telephone office and we have that picture. So that was on last week's Patreon. Dean graduated from the eighth grade and the whole episode, I thought she was in high school. So we have a whole <laughs> right. high school career now for Dean to go through. They moved to Poplar Bluff and Elizabeth started a job with Montgomery Ward, but then quickly ended up working back in the telephone operator business. So that's really good for her. It's a big city she'll she might make more money she'll mm-hmm. be working a lot mm-hmm. anyway she goes up to see jack he comes down to see her and then one day the family's like hey we're gonna run up to marble hill and jack won't even look at them because mm-hmm. he's been with another woman mm-hmm. so he writes to elizabeth he tells her goodbye farewell so long adios yep. and it's over and we ended the episode with she was at the house all by herself crying of course she was oh and on a side note Leon got hit by a car. What? See, right. <laughs> such right. A random. Such a ramp. Poor little Leon. And that he got hit by the car uh-huh. and ran off. Uh-huh. And then no one could find him. Uh-huh. And that made me so sad to think that Leon, with his learning disabilities, uh-huh. got hit, was probably so scared, maybe even thought it was his fault. Right. And he's running off. And then he comes back with a little boo-boo on his head. Uh-huh. <laughs> if I were his mom, I'd be losing my mind. Right. Oh, my God. Hey, I'm watching Six Feet Under. We talk about yeah. it almost every episode now. Yeah, how's that just, going? It's so good. It is. But there's something that happens in a season where someone goes missing mm-hmm. that I had forgotten about. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, just get in your car and go look. Get in your car and go look. This mm-hmm. is before good cell phones. Mm-hmm. So just go, drive, find them. Don't stay at home. Mm-hmm. Why are you, you know... But I, I'm just so used to being like constant connections yes. in the world we have now. If someone yes. goes missing, you can contact someone who can contact someone and someone will be where that person went missing yes. before you know it. Yes, Right? Exactly. I mean, uh. oh, yeah. But before we hop into the diary right now, in the local Poplar Bluff news, Elizabeth was way too up in her feels Mm -hmm. to talk about this in her diary, but I was Mm -hmm. fascinated by the story. It says, murder, suicide, still a mystery. Mm Mm-hmm. Why Fred W. Simmons killed Dr. O.L. Webster and himself in the Seventh-day Adventist Church remains unanswered after a coroner's inquest. 
The bloody epilogue to the weekly services was witnessed by 65 frightened worshipers. Oh, mm. my God. Can you imagine the trauma, the PTSD right. of seeing some guy get shot and then sh- their kids? Uh-huh. There would have been kids there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, Simmons pursued him into the church and the 37 year old physician fell prone before the altar. And Simmons fired into his back with a rifle and then turned the weapon on himself. Now, inquest witnesses told of sporadic domestic troubles of the couple, Mm -hmm. the Simmons guy, but they don't know why it involved the doctor. Well, I don't think you have to think real hard about why it might have involved the doctor. But still, mm-hmm. oh my gosh. So I just thought, what is happening in Poplar Bluff? So right. I had to, I just had to share it. And the other day, and I'm not, I, I was like, ew, I'm not going to talk about this, but I've seen now way too many of them. Okay. The other day in the paper, I saw an article about a 76-year-old man who married an 11-year-old girl. What? And not only did the parents approve of it, oh. the mom went, lied on her marriage certificate, and the dad was interviewed and said, well, he seemed like a nice man. Oh, my God. This was modern day? This is 1937 Poplar Bluff. Oh, 1930. Oh, okay. Wow. It's so gross. And when I read that, I was just like, oh, I just had to go practically shower. But now... You see it all the time in Not the paper. Not 11. Oh, you mean back then? Yes. 11? Of, yeah, oh, like 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds marrying like 28-year-old men. I had no idea. And one other article was like, they called her the baby bride, which uh-huh. I was just like, gross. Mm-hmm. And she had married a 28-year-old man. And, uh-huh. and these kids get taken away from the man. Uh-huh. I mean, that's why they're in the paper. They've discovered this right. and they're rescuing the young girl. And then, the, but the mm-hmm. mom of this guy was like, well, he always liked him young. Mom, do better. It's so gross. But I can't believe how many articles like Uh this I see. Uh It's disgusting. Oh, and so it did make me a little curious. Um, Some states in our nation in Mm -hmm. 2024 still have really low marriage age, Mm -hmm. including New Hampshire and Massachusetts, where you can still get married at 14. Really? Remember what was it? Huh. Is either West Virginia or Arkansas? Yeah, they were trying. They were literally Arkansas, actively right. trying to just lower. make it low, lower the age. Yeah, right, right. I remember. Yeah. Lower it. Make I know. it thirty-five <laughs> to everybody. As a fact, in favor. Nobody get married. Just don't just, get married. Just love each other. Yeah. Make your babies if you want. Right. Take good care of them. Don't let them marry older people. There you go. And yeah. And be good. Yeah. yeah. I'm so sad. August third, nineteen thirty-seven. Worked all day. Harold was outside when I came down and walked part of the way with me. Had a letter from Frances, and she said Jack was sorry and told me to write. Mother and I were going to Mrs. Stewart's, but she felt too badly, so we stayed home and talked on the porch. Dad called from Redbud, Illinois. Gee, it's so very hot. So this little fellow named Harold, his name was Harold Thomas Shamlin, and he was born in July of 1920. He was one of four children of Monroe and Grace Shamlin, and he had a job as a traveling salesman as a young man. He did serve in World War II, and well, that's all I have to say about Harold. How did you find Harold? Right now. Because I know who Harold is. Oh, you do? Okay. I mean, well, I've, I read ahead. Like, you, gotcha. like I've read. So of I, course, I, you know who Harold is. Of gotcha. course I know who Harold is. Um, and then Redbud, Illinois, is a very small town about 150 miles north of Poplar Bluff. In the 1930 census, there were only about 1,200 people living there. But I guess they had timber. 
So yeah, okay. dad was up there checking it out. Okay, right. It's fun to look at these huh. pictures of these timber buyers. Yeah. Uh, because the timber they're buying is huge. I know. I've seen I mean, those. I'm yeah, like, yeah. wow. And they're putting them on trains, sending yes. them to be made into I little that. sticks Isn't that wild? for the railroad. Crazy, crazy, mm-hmm. crazy. August 10th, 1937. Gee, it was so hot all day. But I guess the place I have to work is just as cool as anyone has. It was a long, hot eight hours, though. I was so very disappointed at noon, because I thought I'd surely hear from Jack, but I guess he's not going to write anymore. He evidently didn't get my letter, went up to the store, and got some ice cream for supper. August 12, 1937. When I came home from 11 to 12 for lunch, there was a letter from Francis saying, Jack got my letter okay, but he's been dating Maxine. So of course it's all over between us. It wasn't love, or of course he wouldn't be doing what he's doing. Good thing it stopped before it was too late. Vivian walked home with me after work, wrote to Francis before supper. We washed the dishes and then went to mail it. Went for a ride and emptied the trash. Just sat around and cried. Aww. Oh, again, crying. Well, he's dating Maxine. Mm-hmm. Maxine was one of her best I friends. I know, I know, right? You know, every time we move to a new city in the <sighs> diary, we meet people who lived there. Mm-hmm. And that's how I met Kat's daughter when yep. we were living in Marble Hill. Yep. And Kat saved a ton of pictures. I mean, she has pictures mm. from her youth. One of them happens to be a picture of Maxine and Jack. Yeah. Now, they're a lot younger in the picture, but you can see how they were. Jack is wearing, she's wearing like a corsage and he yep. maybe has a little boutonniere on. Looks like they're going to a Some junior dance. high dance yeah. or a high school dance. Right. That it's interesting that she has that picture. I forgot we had that. Uh-huh. So that'll be up on our Patreon. But yeah, Maxine. And Maxine. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, the streets aren't you know, war- cold from Elizabeth driving out of town. Right. And she knows this would hurt Elizabeth. No. I don't understand. Mean girls. Uh, or just like. No, they're not. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't so. think well, so either, actually. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah. anyway. <sighs> so sad. August 14th, 1937. Worked different hours today. Worked from nine to one. The folks met me and we all had lunch together. Went riding with Vivian for a while. Went to work from four to eight. Mother and Helen met me, and we went to town to get material for a white dress. Looked for buttons and got washcloths. Vivian came, and I rushed around and got ready. We went to town and window shopped. Went and ate, drank a Coke. Just when we were about to leave, Harold asked if he could come see me tomorrow night. We gotta add him to the list. He's on the list. All right. He's asking her for a date. Um, Let's see if she goes out on one. August 15th. 1937. Meg Stovall and Mary Schmerbach came and took me to Sunday school and church this morning. We had an awfully sweet teacher. Took mother and the kids to Mrs. Stewart's. She's sick. Drove our car and came home and bathed. Harold called and then came with Leonard Bates and we went to town. We talked and ate. Yeah, so now she's making a new date list Mm -hmm. in her diary. I'm sure Mm -hmm. Harold, number one, but it doesn't take her long. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, she moves to town and the boys come out of wow, the woodwork. And, seriously, yeah. And in small towns, that was one thing, but in big cities, yeah. here he comes. But we can meet all these people. Meg Stovall, who's not related to Dickie okay. in any way that I know of. Right. <laughs> um, she was named actually Magdalene Stovall. She was born in 1917. She was one of six children and her dad was an engineer on the railroad where he worked all the live long day. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do it every time. Okay. In 1940, she marries a man named Joseph Wiley, who was the postmaster in Poplar Bluff. And he ended up going into the Navy as a lieutenant during World War II. And I don't know, they have two sons together. Joseph dies in 1981 and she lives on until 1996. Mm-hmm. In her obituary, it mentioned her two sons that survived her. One lives in Hawaii and the other was in West Columbia, South Carolina. No way. <laughs> so who wins in that situation? Right. Not the kid in West Columbia. Correct. But I'm only, I can only assume they're in the military. Probably. Um, yeah. That's probably right. why they're in such rando yeah. places like and that. And Hawaii was a big military. Oh, for sure. But the obituary didn't mention any wives for these men or mm-hmm. any grandchildren mm-hmm. for poor little Magdalene. And Marie Schmierbach, that was a fun one to find. She was born in 1919. She was eight of nine children to Harry and Nora. So she was the next to last baby. Her father was born in Stroudsburg, Germany, and had immigrated with his family at the turn of the century. He was a young man when he came to America. And in 1904 in Illinois, he married his wife, Nora, and they proceeded to have these nine children together. Marie is still living at home in 1950 at the age of 31. She's a nurse at the local hospital when a man named Jay Coleman comes and sweeps her off her old maid feet and marries her. They move to Van Buren, Missouri. And watch that be pronounced something weird like <laughs> yeah, right. Van Buren. Right, exactly. God, Missourians. And how they say things. Uh, the twins will tell me. But he's the owner of a liquor store and the vice president of a bank. He was an avid hunter and fisherman. He dies in 1971 at the age of 54. That's Ew. so young. I don't see where they had any children, but I do have a picture of Marie at her 1966 high school reunion. All right. I have no evidence that she has died. There's no find a grave. There's no social security thing. So she could be alive and kicking. Uh, She'd be 104, right? Yeah, right. People do it. Mrs. Schmierbach. No, she's Mrs. Coleman. Coleman. Oh, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So who knows? Yeah, she could be. (laughs) Um, And then we have Mr. Leonard Bates. Mm -hmm. And it's so rare now that I can find people in these entries anymore. So this Mm -hmm. entry made me so excited. Mm -hmm. But he was born in 1916. His dad, Percy, was a car inspector for the railroad. On his draft card, he had two jobs. He worked at the E. Baker Leather Company and the Bates Grocery Store. So I don't know if it was a family store. We know his dad works in the railroad. Mm-hmm. So in 1942, he will marry Mary Elizabeth Harold, and they'll end up having three children together. And in the 1950s, he's working as a photographer with his very own studio in Poplar Bluff. Now, I wonder if Dean and Helen ever went to them for like maybe their senior portrait. Yeah, right. If he's the photographer uh, in yeah, town. Sure. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Let's see. He and his wife will be living with, with his parents also in the 1950s. His wife died in 2008 and William lived on to 2015, dying at the age of 99. Mm-hmm. So, people. August 16th, 1937. Another hard-working day. When I got home at noon, there were two letters for me, one from Zelda and one from Jack. Zelda was down yesterday and called while I was gone. Jack asked to continue our correspondence and we could just be friends. Harold went to Colorado this morning. So Jack had the, oh, we mm. can still be friends letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Which, God, that's just, you know, just leave her, leave her alone. Right. 
she's she's the one in love now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so I had mentioned earlier that Harold was a traveling salesman. Yep. So that probably is what took him to Colorado. He's three years younger than Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. So it seems kind of young. But hey, back then they went to work. So yeah, yeah. August 18th, 1937. Another hardworking day. Got cards from Harold and from Vivian. He's keeping his promise to write every day, all right? When I came home, I took Mother and Dean to the post office, then Dean to the tennis court. After supper, I typed lots of letters for Dad, and then wrote one to Jenny. Mother took us riding, and we kind of looked for Dean, who was out with two boys riding. <laughs> what? Okay, so now we know Mother can ride. R- drive. He'd drive, Yeah. So that solved that issue. Yeah. So then why is Elizabeth doing everything? Maybe she's just hmm. so helpful. She's just hardworking. Right. I think I so. I mean, that's yeah. pretty clear. If Elizabeth had been out riding with two boys mm-hmm. in her diary, she'd have been like, oh, scandal, scandal. Right. Dean. Dean. All right. She's just like her sister. Yeah, right. <laughs> Good for her. <laughs> two boys. Two boys. Mm. August 19th, 1937. Well, I got another card from Harold today. He was in Pueblo. Got a letter from Bill Fowler, a 14-year-old kid who is stuck on me and thinks I'm an angel from heaven. I don't know who Bill Fowler is, <laughs> but funny. he's 14 who wrote her a letter and yeah. thinks she's an angel from oh. heaven. Well, but isn't that funny? Yes. Well, is, it must be I one of Dean that. or Helen's friends. Probably, yeah. I wish she would have said yeah. like how she met this guy and how right. he knows her address. Uh, <laughs> seriously. Oh, gosh. Back then, you probably just had to put Elizabeth Hartzell. A- a- right. You didn't have to put an address. And then the postman would be like, oh, I know. That's that new family who moved to town. Right. Mm -hmm. August 21st, 1937. Well, I worked hard again all day. Got a letter from Harold. He said he'd like to date me if I didn't think he was too young. Francis was here when I got home. Went to town and got some lotion and some meat. After supper, we did the dishes and took the kids to town. Went for a ride. Harold. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, I mean, if the roles were reversed, no one would right. be saying, and if you think I'm too young. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> but go for it, Harold. Do your, do your thing. Six year difference. Six. Yeah. She's 17. I thought oh, she was born in 1970. You said she was, you said she was, you're, she's 20 now. Yeah. 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 And he's 17. Oh, he's 17. Isn't he? I thought he was he's 14. Three, he you was, said 14. He was born in 1920. No, oh. no, that's Bill Fowler. Oh, different man. They're all, they're all, I gotcha. All the young ones Harold. are in love with her right now. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting... That's no problem. <laughs> August 23rd, 1937. Another hardworking day. Got a card from Harold and Vivian and Rex. Harold said he'd see me soon, and it was a lot sooner than I expected because he called me at noon and said he'd see me tonight. Came home at five and made chili for supper. Took a bath afterwards. Harold called and said he would be over at 7.30. He came about that time and we talked a while on the porch. Finally decided to go to the show. Came back. Sat on the porch longer. August 24th, 1937. Just another day. But it brought a letter from Jack. And he insinuated that he went out with a bunch of kids and got drunk. After I got home from work, I put on my slacks and washed my hair. After supper, we women folks went to get the mail and took a little ride. When I was washing the dishes, Harold called and said he'd be about nine. Wrote a big, long letter to Francis. Finished it just as Harold came. We sat on the porch and talked a long time. Until twelve, it was. August 26, 1937. 
came home at five from work and took mother to town, got some groceries and helped with supper, had to mail some letters and went for a ride, was reading when I got home and Harold came up. He had been by several times and called too, brought pictures made of his trip, gave me one of himself. I told him that I didn't want to be anything but a pal to him and he just cried. I didn't know he cared so much. Oh, okay. Well, poor Harold. Harold. (laughs) His love burned hot and brief. Um, So we can tell you, poor Harold doesn't get to be your grandfather either. Sorry to break it to you like that. Uh, So let's wrap it up the rest of his life. After he's a traveling salesman in 1946, Harold married a woman named Juanita Bradham. And unfortunately, she died in a car accident in 1967. She actually lost control of the car and drove it into someone's house. Oh, no. I know. She almost killed a 12-year-old girl who was sleeping inside, and she was pronounced dead at the scene from a broken neck. Oh, no. Yikes. I know. So sad. But don't worry. He'll find love again just a couple years later in 1971. He married a girl named Wanda Spence, and when he dies in 2001, they are still together, but there's no mention of his first wife in his obituary. Hmm. But then again, living people write obituaries. So if if Wanda was still alive, she just left the wife out, which is, again, as a historian... You you know, you know, right, exactly. Uh, But I do have an on this day on September 2nd of 1937. Hermann Goering warned in a speech in Stuttgart that if a new boycott of Nazi Germany was attempted, any damages caused will be paid by Jews in Germany. (sighs) So, okay, Mm -hmm. they've already taken everything from them. What else can they take Mm -hmm. to make reparations for lost income? Mm -hmm. Because people are starting to boycott that we had talked about it in a previous episode that people were starting to boycott, not the Germans. But I found that was such an interesting little statement. And here he is just saying it out loud. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to dig a little deeper and find out like how they were going to make them, what their plan was or Uh something. And so I looked into the source for this Wikipedia (laughs) that I was citing. And it was an article written by a woman named Zigrid Schultz. Mm-hmm. And I ended up looking up her because she had such an interesting life. Uh-huh. She was born in America in 1893, and her father was a prominent portrait artist, and he got commissioned to paint the king and queen of Württemberg. So they moved to Germany to do this portrait right before World War One, and kind of got trapped there and had to stay in Germany throughout oh, wow. all of the First World War, which uh-huh. is crazy. After the war... The Chicago Tribune was looking for a journalist who was really fluent in English and German Mm -hmm. who could kind of keep news going on about what was happening in Germany. Mm -hmm. And she got the job at a time when you rarely saw women in this field at all. But it was her language skills that got her to break that glass ceiling. Now, as Nazism is rising, she's appalled by it. She Uh hates it all. But she knows that this is important. So she finagles her way into getting interviews with some really big people like Hermann Goering. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's high up there. Mm -hmm. In 1938, Schultz began to report for the Mutual Broadcasting System, along with the Chicago Tribune. In doing so, she became the first woman to broadcast regularly on an American network from Europe. Hmm. Good for her. Yeah, for sure. Um, No other American correspondent in Berlin knew so much of what was going on behind the scenes as did Sigrid Schultz. Hmm. She also ended up being one of the only female journalists at the Nuremberg trials and was one of the first journalists to visit Buchenwald. Wow, that's I a know. movie, her yeah. life story. Oh, it truly is. Because yeah. you know there had to be like some kind of... Because you know, the Germans... 
you had to have known she what was she was trouble, doing I'm and sure. rat on the Reich. Right. Anyway, she, when she died in 1980, she was writing a book about the comprehensive history of both world wars and the Holocaust. Okay. Although the book isn't finished, her papers are in libraries. And I can't help thinking that Elizabeth had known about this woman, how much she would have admired her Mm -hmm. for being a woman writer who is, you know, uncovering all these great stories that we needed to hear about. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Hi, this is Beth from Austin, Texas, and you're listening to my grandma's diaries. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Oh, and there was an entry that we had a while back talking about driving, and you just spontaneously wondered if you had to have a driver's license Mm -hmm. back then to drive. Well, Mr. McKinney, you have waited till the right day (laughs) because the driver's license law went into effect in Missouri on this day in September 2nd of 1930, what are we in, 7? 1937. So Missouri's new driver's license law, the first statewide measure in state history, will become effective on Monday, September 6th, (laughs) and will be rigidly enforced by the state motor vehicle department and the offices of the secretary of state every man woman and child (laughs) who drives a motor vehicle in the state must have a license so apparently there's not an age oh no it does say they need to be a competent person over 16 years of age the license is good for two years and the fee is 25 cents what a knee. Yeah, so they were the first sa- state. They weren't Missouri? The, no, they weren't necessarily the first state. Oh, I see. But oh, it, that was it, their first time having it in mm-hmm. Missouri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you could just drive as much as you wanted. And then they started doing license plates shortly mm. after that because you hadn't didn't have to have a license plate either. Mm-hmm. So mm. here you go. Isn't that fun? Mm-hmm. September 5th, 1937. Went to Sunday school and church this morning with Francis. After dinner, we both rested for a while and then took Dean and Leon for a ride and went to the show. We got a sundae and some popcorn and window shopped. After we got home, we just sat around and talked, listened to the radio. It was so good. Haven't had any spare time in a while. But Bill and Nancy are married now. Such is life. So that's Bill Terrell and oh. Nancy Shockley. Oh, right. And we know this is a quick marriage yeah. for both of them. This is not even a year. I think they'll be married. And I remember when they got their divorce, she asked the judge <laughs> to give her her maiden name back. So she wanted no memory of <laughs> being Bill. a Terrell for the short time. But yeah, that, uh, okay. so that was cool that she yeah. mentioned that. And here she is just having a breakup. And then backburner Bill and Belle right. has just gotten married. married. That had to be like a shot through the heart. Yeah, right. Uh, September 7th, 1937. 
Worked my usual hours today. Got a letter from Rex at noon. Bill yelled from the window and asked if I wanted to go somewhere tonight. After I helped with the dishes, I got ready. Bill came at eight, and we went to the show. Went riding into Kate's, danced and talked a long time. Went for a ride. He can dance so good. I had lots of fun. So yet another Bill uh, yeah. has come into her life. This is Poplar Bluff. And I don't know when he yelled at her from the window. Yeah. Does that mean like next to the telephone office or is he mm. their next door neighbor? Mm-hmm. I can't quite put my finger on well where he lives, but we're going to let Bill just evolve okay. in the diary Sounds right now. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll, we'll learn about Bill. September 8th, 1937. Well, it was just the usual work day, eight hours of labor. After supper, I did the dishes and wrote to Francis and Jack, went down and mailed them, and now to bed before nine. I'm just so tired all the time, but my chill tonic is helping me lots. Had lots of fun last night and like to go with Bill lots. I wish he'd ask me again sometime soon. He's such a good dancer and talker. Okay, my first, I was so offended that she had something called a chill tonic. Like, chill, chill out, lady. I know, right? Cheer up, <laughs> yeah. girl. But of course, she's tired all the time. She's depressed, and yeah. her, her, her sweet, sweet love has broken up with her. You want to know what a chill tonic is? Yeah, I sure well, do. I found a picture of a box of chill tonic from one of the National Museum of American History um, website pages. Yeah. I'm going to show you a picture. Okay, okay I'm just going to prep you. <laughs> the picture has a little baby's face on it. Okay. All right. <laughs> that is the scariest creepy looking, baby. creepy, flipping baby. Are you sure that's not an adult? See, that's... <laughs> With a weird head? That's when you go between, is it a baby or a creepy old man? Yes, right? Like I that's saw, right. I think all, boy, I all think babies look like right. Fred Mertz, right? <laughs> but, oh my God, this baby, it's like if Gollum yeah, right. and another Gollum yeah, that's not had, had a baby. It's terrifying. Yeah. But... It's chill tonic, and that alone would give you the chills. But the ingredients are something called chinchonine, chinchonadine, which is basically like quinine Uh mixed with reduced iron, sugar, and a lemon-flavored syrup. Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, Whatever combine works. quinine, iron, sugar, and lemon, uh-huh. you're going to, yeah, that's going to do better. something. Sure. I could have some of that. That's like if you added a little sugar and lemon to your gin and tonic. Right. That's basically what you got. You just wouldn't have to take an iron pill. Some people oh drink God. whiskey with lemon and honey, I think. Oh, I yeah, yeah I do. Warm. Yeah, mm-hmm. if I'm sick, right. it, it feels good. But yeah, so that's chill tonic for you. Oh. And um, ooh, terrifying. I can't wait for y'all to see that picture on the Patreon. Yeah, you know, that is. So a- good. September 11th, 1937. Worked my usual hours today. When I was going back at noon, Bill picked me up and took me to the office. I thought he might ask me for a date... But no, nothing unusual happened at work. After I came home, I wrote to Francis and helped with supper. There was a big dance tonight. Oh, boy. Vivian came by and we went to town. We shopped a little and then went in to Bort's. I forgot to say I got a letter from Jack at noon, and he wondered if I was coming to Marble Hill soon. Maybe he's lonesome. Yeah, maybe he can get over it. Um, but yeah, there's a little place called Bortz. Yeah. And it took me forever in the diary to find out if it was Booth or Bortz. I didn't know what mm-hmm. it was. And then just recently, I saw an ad for it in the newspaper okay. to come and get a Coke and a burger. So it's another right. rendezvous. It's another awards. Spell it. It's like B-O-R-T Bortz. S. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's not even an H in it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, now cute you know. little place. I know. The more you know. Yeah. 
September 13th, 1937. It's getting nice and cold. Today at noon, as I was going back to work, Bill picked me up and took me around again. After work, I went to get Jack a car pillow, and the salesman kept me a long time finding a box for it. It's a nice leather one for his birthday. Came home and wrapped it all over again. After supper, I helped Dean with her lessons. Went riding with the folks. Why is she buying Jack, him a leather? Seriously. Why? <laughs> I know she still loves him and yeah. she got that letter and she feels positive, but girl, yeah. you, you need your own money. Mm. Anyway, I have some Nazi news. Okay. On this day, Heinrich Himmler decreed that Jews could be released from protective custody in concentration camps if they provided evidence that they were emigrating. Mm. So this is just him saying booty, booty, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Because he, he's saying it out so the world's like, oh, look, they're right. trying to help. They have no intention right. of, number one, letting them go. And number two, wow. good luck getting one. Because at the beginning of the Great Depression in 1930, Herbert Hoover, our favorite president, mm-hmm. issued instructions banning immigrants mm-hmm. likely to become a public charge. Uh-huh. So if you if they thought for a minute you were going to be needing government assistance or you mm-hmm. weren't be able to get a job, then you couldn't get in. Most of the time, aren't immigrants coming because mm-hmm. they need a fresh start? And mm-hmm. anyway, don't get me started. But because of that, immigration fell dramatically, mm-hmm. which would make sense. And although Franklin D. Roosevelt liberalized the instruction, many Americans continued to oppose immigration on economic grounds, thinking that immigrants would steal their jobs. Mm-hmm. That's what we're still saying today. Nothing changes. Immigrants, therefore, had to find an American sponsor who had the financial resources to guarantee they would not become a burden on the state. So, hmm. okay. You have to know someone in America. Yeah, right. And a lot of times that was expensive, like $500 or $5,000. They were very expensive. So getting a visa wasn't even the most difficult part of trying to come to America. Oh, my God. So political immigrants, you had to have a valid ship ticket before you could even get your visa. So you're taking a gamble on buying this boat ticket, which probably wasn't cheap. You have to get a financial sponsor in mm-hmm. America. Then you can apply for a visa. Mm. Well, the visa better hurry up and be ready before your ship sails. Right. So it's just That's the scary. system was just 100% mm-hmm. set up to fail. It was awful. Oh, and with the onset of war and the fear that German submarines would target passenger vessels, mm-hmm. shipping across the Atlantic got super risky, super fast. And many passenger lines just stopped. Or Uh greatly reduce the number crossing the ocean, which made it even harder for them to find a ticket so then they could find a sponsor so then they could get a visa. So, yeah, good luck trying to leave Europe and come to America. America was not very welcoming Uh because of that quota system they had. Okay. And Roosevelt didn't do anything to change it until Mm. 1938. Mm. It's just so sad, you Mm -hmm. know. I'm watching that United States and the Holocaust thing, Mm -hmm. and they talk about this ship of German immigrants who were headed for Cuba. But for some reason, when they got to Cuba, Cuba wouldn't. Ta- oh, no, they got scammed. And a lot of their visas weren't right. They were forged. Oh, and Cuba wouldn't let them in. So then they're like, well, let's just go to Miami. Mm-hmm. And they go to Miami. And the United States is like, we're not letting you in. Mm-hmm. And they had to turn around and go right back to Germany. Oh, man. Oh, it was super tragic. Yeah, there were like a thousand for... people on board that ship. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, and they all God knows what happened to them. Seriously. <sighs> anyway, that was our Nazi news. September 14th, 1937. Today at noon, I mailed Jack's present at the post office before coming home. I didn't have any mail today, but I forgot to say I got a newsy letter from Marge yesterday. Bill Terrell tried to commit suicide. After I got home, I just rested, read a story, and took the kids riding. 
When I started to put the car in the garage, I scraped the fender, didn't put it in the rest of the way. So that's pretty quickly from him getting married to that time. He shot himself at that carnival, remember? And he tried to shoot himself in the heart, but his friend grabbed it. So it just kind of got him in the shoulder. Oh, wow. Poor Bill. I mean, what he's going through. That's so rough. So, yeah, it's that's a difficult subject to talk about. September 15th, 1937. Before I went to work this morning, I called Jack and wished him a happy 21st birthday. It was so good to hear him again. He wants me to come up for the fair, but I'm not. Came home at 11 for dinner. Vivian called after I had washed dishes. I went to her house. We talked a long time. I do wish I could see Jack. September 16th, 1937. When I came home at noon, I had a letter from Jack and one from Jenny. She wants me to come to the fair too. Jack thanked me for the call, but hadn't gotten his package yet. I know he still cares from the letter he sent. It makes me feel so good. September 20th, 1937. Worked hard all day and was so tired when I got home. Wrote to Rex and rested before supper. After supper, Harold called and asked if he could come about a quarter to nine. And of course I consented. Dried the dishes and read a story. Was talking to Jean in front of the house when Harold came. We went walking in the beautiful moonlight and went to Doc's for a Coke and candy came home and sat on the porch. He's much more fun than Bill, and I like him a lot better. But I still and always will love Jack. Good grief. I know. Oh, it's so awful. <laughs> I hate I hate young heartbreak. But there's an interesting thing going on in the world right now. There was a new chief justice mm-hmm. who was elected to the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and then it was found out that elected. He was you know picked. Oh, yeah. Appointed. appointed. There you go. And then it found out he had once been a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Uh-oh. He was a Southern Democrat, so back then Democrat, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But he ended up not retiring, but the whole scandal over it created a lot of articles in the newspaper that I saw. Mm-hmm. And this one just stood out to me. So I'm just like, well, it was in the paper. I'm go- in the Poplar Bluff paper yeah. and I'm going to read it. Republican National Committee maintained headquarters for the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, wow. Yes. So another no. angle to the Chief Justice Black Klan situation has to do with the position in which the Republican Party finds itself in imbroglio. Imbroglio. Today, the GOP leaders profess bitter opposition to the Klan. They are amazingly indignant at its un-American ideas and practices. This is something new. Mm -hmm. Just a few short years ago, the Klan was so strong in the organization of a Republican-controlled Senate that it was able to dictate the selection of a Klansman as secretary of that body. It was about this time that the Klan initiated a ceremony that took place in the Senate committee room at which a Republican senator was one of the initiates. This senator afterwards became one of the chief officers in the Senate. And it goes on and on and on about Yikes. how the GOP is like trying to get rid of this Democrat mm-hmm. justice because he was in the Klan mm-hmm. when they are so deeply embroiled in, in the Klan so, uh-huh. themselves. Wow. <laughs> so they're trying. It's just the hypocrisy is yeah. real. And I thought it was just very interesting. I would add that in there. And yeah. it just seemed like yikes history repeats itself all the time Mm. Hmm. september 24th 1937 well today at noon i got a letter from jack and he john and francis are coming down on sunday vivian came by and walked to work with me this morning she worked at the dime store when i got off i went to the beauty parlor and had my hair set had to wait a long time i was up there until seven 
Had a letter from Zelda when I got home. She's not working and is downhearted. Listened to the radio and washed out some clothes. Now for bed. September 25th, 1937. Worked hard all day long. Came home at five and ironed a lot of things. After supper, I helped Dean with her English and listened to the hit parade. Harold called and wanted to come over at nine. I said he could, so he did. We sat on the porch and ate candy that he had brought. After I told him Jack was coming tomorrow, he didn't stay long. Left about ten. Good night. <laughs> oh, so, ah, Jack's coming. I guess he's got a lot of apologizing to do. He should right. be bringing her something leather. Exactly. You know, yeah. he should be bringing her something very nice yeah. if he's trying to get back into her good graces. Mm. September 26, 1937. Got back and cleaned up the front room before breakfast. Made up all the beds and washed dishes. Jack, Francis, and John came at 8.30. We sat around with the folks a while. I cleaned up and we four went to go for a ride. Stopped and got some persimmons. Came home for a big dinner. Then we went riding before going to the show. Went riding after the show. Did some window shopping. They left at 11. He said he still loves me and wanted me to go home with him. Do we trust him at this point? No. <laughs> no. I, I, if I were Elizabeth's mom, yeah. I'd be like, girl. Leave him. Yeah. I, I, I would be worried. Right. But, you know, she loves him, so we'll find out. September 29th, 1937. My schedule changed today, and I worked from 11 until 12 this morning. Had a letter from Jack at noon. Went to work from 4 until 7 ate supper after I got home and started a long letter to Jack. He wanted a long dossier, and I intend to give it to him. Wow. <laughs> okay. I hope it has lots of ultimatums and rules dossier. and no smoking and no drinking right. and no going out with anybody right. and don't even talk about other women ever again <laughs> and always look at me and buy me candy. God, yeah. I love it. I bet he gets a long letter, too. She's not well, shy she about her feelings. Intent, when it, yeah, right. <laughs> I intend to give it to him. Good for her. October 2nd, 1937. Went to work at 7 and came home at 12. Had a good, long letter from Jack. He's going to write another, or was supposed to that night. Went by for Vivian to go to town, but it was raining too much, and we didn't go. And fun fact that I saw for October 2nd, 1937, yeah. mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan made his screen debut with the release of the film Love is on the Air, starring June Travis. What was interesting about that movie is he played a DJ in the movie, mm -hmm. and he had been a DJ in real life before okay. he went out to Hollywood. Uh -huh. So the rise right. of Ronald Reagan <laughs> began. <laughs> October 4th, 1937. This morning, it being my day off, I got ready and went to Marble Hill with Dad and Leon. It just rained all the way there. Went to see Francis at the office, then went to see Jack. He took me on a delivery and up to Claire's. Called Mrs. Cobb and went down for an hour or so. Went back to see Francis and went to lunch with her at Mrs. Kinder's. We talked after dinner and went to town. Went in and told Jack goodbye. Came to Lutesville to see Jenny. You know, I hadn't, the more I'm looking at them when they go back, Frances is boarding at Mrs. Kinder's house. Okay. And I don't remember her whole bio, but I do seem to remember that she became a boarder. So mm. when Elizabeth goes to Marble Hill, mm -hmm. she stays normally with Frances okay. at Mrs. Kinder's. Right. So she could have always stayed 
And she and Francis could have lived at Mrs. Kinder's and she could have worked for the telephone company and Francis hmm. is doing what Francis is doing. Yeah, yeah. And the more it solidifies for me that she had to go because mom made her. Right. Like, no, you have to come help me with the kids. Yeah. And Leon. And, and this yeah. maybe wouldn't have happened with Jack if Elizabeth had never left. You mean, I mean they get to, uh, what would have never happened? That he would have not, not dumped her and dated Maxine. Yeah. Not if she was there. Yeah, yeah, They yeah. had their little tiffs and things. But, right. I mean, clearly they, they're they still in love with each other. They're getting, yeah. you know, I think they're getting back together. Mm-hmm. So I just, it makes me sad for Elizabeth mm-hmm. that she was taken as like a glorified, even though she got a job. Right. She could have just stayed at her job. Right. I don't know. I don't know. They needed help. It was a big family. I guess so. October 8th, 1937. Went to work from 7 until 12 and had a letter from Jack at noon, and he expects for me to come for the weekend, but of course I can't go. Wrote a letter to Jack. Went to mail the letter and for a ride. Picked up Vivian and took her. Went to work at 4, and when I got off at 7, I went to the show with Thelma Grisham. So I have found Miss Thelma. She was born in Mountain Grove, Missouri in 1917. Her father was a farmer, and she was one of six children. By 1940, she's married to a man named Oscar Thompson, and he's a carpenter, and they'll have three children together, but he dies in 1975. Sometime after that, she marries a man with the last name of Schmidt, and she will also outlive him, and she dies in 1999. So there's Miss Thelma. October 9th, 1937. Worked today, slept most of the afternoon, talked to the kids and mother, shopped a little and went to Bort's. Harold walked me home. We took Vivian home and then went to the show. Harold stayed a while. He still loves me. <laughs> well, poor Harold. I think she needs to say, yeah, stop, stop young man. <laughs> yeah. But I did have like a, some fun fact and news today. And I say we filed this under the category, this is how rumors get started. Okay. But on October 11th, 1937, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, this is the former king and Wallace Simpson, yep. in 1937, took a tour of Germany. The Duke of Windsor and his wife began to visit Nazi Germany arriving in Berlin. And then the Duke was taken on a tour of a factory by the German labor front leader, Robert Ley. This ended up they ended up hanging out with Hitler. Yeah. There was a time when Hitler gives the salute and he gives it back. Really? This is this is a bad he look. He's a Nazi. Yeah, yeah. And right on the exact same day, Charles Lindbergh and his wife Anne begin their second visit to Nazi Germany. Over the next two weeks, Colonel Lindbergh would be shown the, uh, I don't know, the factories where they were making the planes. Mm. So they're bomber planes. They're Messerschmitts, wow. right? And he's like, oh, this is how you can make that plane better. Wow. This is 1937. Yikes. Uh, yeah. So this is how, you know, you've always heard the rumor that Charles Lindbergh was a Nazi. Well, I mean, eh. yeah, this is at the very least, this was a or bad a decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. October 12th, 1937. Went to mail my letter to Jack and to see about getting a permanent, but they couldn't take me. So I made an appointment for 12 tomorrow. Worked from four to seven. Harold called and asked me to get Vivian and come down. She wasn't home. Harold caught up with me, and we went walking and sat on the porch. October 13th, 1937. Worked my usual hours and went to the beauty parlor at 12. Vivian arranged a blind date for me with Charles Porter. Got off work at 8. Vivian and the boys came. Her fellow was Sheldon something from South Carolina. We went to Dexter Falls Palace, acted real crazy, and had lots of fun. Charles is nice. 
but going with other boys makes me appreciate Jack more. Mm-hmm. So then how can we be mad at Jack for going out with Maxine? True, true. If she's going out on blind Very dates true. after he has said that he loves her and he wanted to take her home with him. Yeah. And she's planning to go visit him. But anyway, Charles wasn't up to snuff. He was born in February of 1915. And when he's with Elizabeth, he's a credit adjuster. So that either was a horrible job or Mm. a good job where he was helping people. Mm. Who knows? He will join the army in World War II and rise to the rank of major. So he was a busy boy in the war. He comes back home in 1947 and marries a girl named Blanche Moss. I don't know if they ever had any children. I don't know any details, but he dies in Denver, Colorado, and that's military. He has mm-hmm. one of those military headstones, and there's no mention of his wife, like in his mm-hmm. find a grave. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they lasted. I don't know if they had kids. Mm-hmm. It's not, not much about him, but he was a major. And then I have an interesting on this day from the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Sexual education termed dangerous. <laughs> What's that mean? Okay, it was just an article about uh, sexual education was labeled today fraught with danger to youth by the Reverend Vincent Mooney of Washington, D.C., who termed advocate of such teachings uneducated educators. This was a Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. Telling other people that teaching kids and stuff about sex was that they were uneducated. I would think he would be very uneducated yeah. in the subject if he's a proper priest, yeah. uh, right? Um, but he was calling out organizations like the people who probably weren't even teaching about sex, the Young Communist League, the Young Socialist League, mm-hmm. and the American Student Union, who might have been teaching people about sex education. Because I think sex education is extremely important. Yes, of course. you got to know how all that works. Yeah, you so do. So you can take care of yourself. So you don't mess up. And you don't put yourself in a situation that you're not ready for. Right. Right? Exactly. Whether emotionally or physically. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the Catholic Church is like, don't tell them anything. It's just... Well... Anyway, but that's what was happening. That was in the Poplar Bluff. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Newspaper. Hmm. October 18th, 1937. After dinner, went to town and cashed my check, $22.78. Got my coat and paid some on the kids' account. 
came home and washed clothes, rested a while, went to work from four to seven, came home and talked to Vivian a little while over the phone, wrote to Rex and listened to the radio. Oh boy, I'm going to Marble Hill Friday and I want to arrange it so I won't have to come back until Monday. Hope I can. So she's paying some on the kids' account. Yeah. So, like, if they buy clothes and they put yeah. them on layaway or whatever, she pays later. she's yeah. You were starting to see her picking up bills again. Uh huh. And it'll get yeah. It'll get to be quite a bit in a little while. But I, yeah, that's another reason why they took her. I guess. Right. And right. Worried that Louie wouldn't have a steady income, but Elizabeth right. sure can. Well, twenty two seventy eight. That's, that's pretty, pretty good. good considering she only made one hundred and five dollars in all of nineteen thirty six. Yeah. So she's doing well. Yeah, she's working good a lot. Girl. She's all she does is work. But on this day started the recession of 1937 to 1938. Mm. This is that mini recession yes. that'll happen. And on this day, the New York Stock Exchange crashed to 125.73 points. And that was its lowest level in two years. Okay. So it took a little dip, which must have scared the crap out of everybody. Sure. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Especially people who were trying to get back into stock. Mm. Oh, God. Hard times. October 19th, 1937. Got a letter from Jack today. It was so sweet. He still loves me. I wrote to him, too. October 22nd, 1937. Worked from 7 until 11. Went up and had Gladys comb out my hair. Dad and the kids took me to the bus station. Left at 4. Got to Marble Hill about 6. Francis met me at the bus. Went up to see Jack, and he took us down to Mrs. Kinder's. Came back after supper and went to the show, Stella Dallas, starring Barbara Stanwyck. It wasn't so good. Chat with Grace for a while, took the folks home, and then we danced a bit. Oh, he's dancing. Remember, mm-hmm. he can't dance. Yeah, right. That's really sweet. Stella Dallas, I looked it up, yeah. and I was going to tell the plot, but it's so convoluted. Really? But anyway, she didn't like it, but yeah. Barbara Standwick was nominated for an Academy Award right? for her performance, so good for her. And then on October 22nd, yeah. this is when the Duke of Windsor and his wife met with Adolf Hitler, and as they departed, did the Nazi salute to each other. Mm. So... The rumor was, and there are a lot of articles I've read about this, and but maybe our friend in um, Australia can help us. The Duke of Windsor wanted to be king. He was a very ambitious man. Mm-hmm. He wanted his throne back. He mm-hmm. just wanted his wife with him. So rumor has it that he had struck a deal with the Nazis that if they invaded Britain, they would take down the monarchy as it stood and put him back in charge Whoa. with his wife. Aye, aye, aye. I know. There's a brilliant scene in The Crown, and I don't know how accurate uh-huh. The Crown is, right. but when he comes for, to see Elizabeth when she's the Claire Foy so in like the first three seasons mm-hmm. and he asks for forgiveness you mm-hmm. know and, and she won't give it to him mm. and her reasoning is this okay she's like you know you're, what you did was bad enough Nazi. but yeah. then when you start we heard the rumors yeah. and we all didn't say anything but how could you do this to this Seriously? family she was going to take down her dad yeah right on his deathbed and this is true he asked Queen Elizabeth to give his wife the HRH the Her Royal Highness mm-hmm. status and she said no that's <laughs> 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 all yeah. Wallace Simpson wanted so Queen Elizabeth was a baddie. Yeah. She's so good. October 24th, 1937. Went to Sunday school and visited Francis's class. Went to church at the Methodist and heard the new preacher. Jack called while I was eating dinner and said he'd be down in his new brown suit. I had on my dress. We went for a little ride. Went to see the show. It was so good. I cried so much. Went to see Leon Sanders' new house and looked over the scenery with his binoculars sat on the porch a while, rode around and talked. The bus came. Home now. Jack gave me a box of hose. 
So we know this Leon Sander. We met him in mm-hmm. episode 32. He was one of the seven kids whose mom died having his little brother. Right. And he worked in a soap factory his whole mm-hmm. life. But enough to where he could buy a little house. Right. And I love the idea of them looking at the Binoc- scenery I with binocular, I binoculars. Too. I wonder what part of Marble Hill. Is it a hilly area of the world? I do not believe so, no. I don't think so either, but we'll find out. Yeah. This will be in Twin Talk. October 25th, 1937. My hours changed today, was off all morning, so I helped with the housework. I went to town this morning and asked about getting the kids coats. They can get them any time. Went for Vivian a little bit. She was practicing a song. She walked home with me and said she might come down tonight with Harold and Leonard. Harold still wants to go with me some more. Well, yeah, he in love. Hey, but so when she was paying on the kids' accounts, Mm -hmm. she was paying to get them coats, Coats. which they probably already need. It's October 25th. Yeah. So she must have been in a hurry to be like, oh, I have to pay off for these coats. Yeah. Oh. I know. Yikes. That kind of makes me sad a little bit. It gets cold in Missouri, too. And she's taking care of her little baby sisters. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. October 27th, 1937. I rested a while before going to work at noon. Miss Powell, the district supervisor, was there and watched us work. I got off at four and talked to her and Miss Young. Mother called about eight and told Miss Clark to tell me that Bill would meet me. He was waiting, and we went riding. Stopped at Davis's for a Coke. Listened to the radio in the driveway for a while. Someone called last night at the office and asked if Betty Hartzell was working. Well, that's kind of creepy. I bet it was Harold. Yeah, right. Looking for, or maybe it was Bill, because we yeah. still have Bill hanging around, y'all. Don't, uh... That's weird. Don't turn your back to Bill yet. <laughs> yeah. October 28th, 1937. Wrote to Jack and bathed this morning. Got letters from Jack and Francis, went to work at 12. At 1, Miss Young had me over to her desk, and I studied how to hook up rates to everywhere. Worked the board from 3 to 4, came home after taking Jack's letter to mail, had my supper, and went back at 5 and worked until 9. I certainly don't like these hours. Dad and Leon met me, and I came home and went to bed. Jack told me in his letter that if I wouldn't have over 10 dates between now and Christmas, he'd get me something. (laughs) That's hilarious. What in the world? That's freaking hilarious. Okay, you can go out with 10. How about like, let's go steady. (laughs) Don't date anyone. What in the world? How is and how would he know? Right. That's a very open relationship. So. But but 10, I mean, that's a lot for two months. (laughs) You could fall in love with someone else. Well, let's see what happens, shall we? October 29th, 1937. Bill was waiting for me when I got off work tonight, and we went to the football game. So, nine more to go. <laughs> nine more to go, yeah. <laughs> she, he has nine more Shut, chances to win her love. Right. Oh, my God. Uh, October 31st, 1937. My Sunday to work, so I went in at 7.30 and got off at 12.30. After dinner, I helped Dean with her algebra until she got mad at me and said something so hateful, I came upstairs and cried. Francis was talking to Maxine, wrote a letter to Jack. I thought Max had been with him this week, but she was with Unc. Francis, Dean, and I went riding to Bort's, came home and ate popcorn. Harold called while I was out riding. I can see it. Mm -hmm. The girls doing homework Mm -hmm. and not understanding the algebra and getting so mad. They're like, you got it. Teach yes, me this. And exactly. then they start crying. And <laughs> yeah. 
Right. I'm sure I have been in that exact same math right. scenario right. anytime. But that's where we're ending this week's episode. There's so much going Fun. on. Yeah. He, he dumps her. He asks for her back. But go ahead and date other people if you want. Right. I don't understand the relationship at all. But um, She cries a lot. Well, I would too. I know. She got but dumped. She's, well, she's sensitive. And her, she she's is. trying. She's probably like, dang it, Dean. I'm buying you a jacket. Yeah. I'm holding up this family. Yeah. You're yeah. yelling at me right. when I'm trying to help you. I'm yeah. tired. All I do is work. Yeah. You're on your own. I think you're right. I mean, it does seem like she works every day. All the time. I don't see, I mean, my Sunday to work. So maybe she occasionally gets a Sunday right. off. And mm. I mean, she is zipping up to Marble Hill, but she comes right back and Still, goes right back to right. work. Yeah. So her work ethic is, is wonderful. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, um, thank, thank you. you so much for hanging out with us this week. Keep yeah. sending those voice memos. I love your sweet, sweet voices. And... We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Samantha from Ann Arbor, Michigan, and you're listening to My Grandma's Diaries.